0: Today, we're officially starting week one of Unshakable. but you're like, Clint, we've done this for two weeks. Well, those were setup weeks. This is officially week one right here. So if you're new, you have, if you've missed a little bit, it's okay. You came at the perfect time. couple things I want you to do, though, is I, your memories are not that good. All right, I just want to tell you right now, uh, and I'm speaking to myself here, you need to take notes while you're in here. All right, God has too much for you just to listen. So I want you to get on the app. There's a notes tab at the very bottom of the app and you can find notes there. You can scan this QR code right now and you can take notes. It'll be everyone needs to do this because there's an activity at the end of the message that you need to participate in. So, take the notes. They're right here. I see one cell phone out right now, but you just just scan it and it will give us all of your financial information and all that. And, and you can take notes. All right. So do that. There's a, there's something we're doing at the end where you're going to need that. Do I need to move here if you want to scan it? No. Okay. All right. Second thing is this uh, this uh, campaign that we 're doing right we're doing it in kids' ministry right now. kids are going through unshakable we're doing it in our small groups right now uh, which have just started come on if you're not in a group. Boom, baby, I love it. And then we're uh, we're doing it in small groups. We're doing it here for the next eight weeks. We're going to be doing that seven weeks after today. And uh, it's a whole thing that we're doing. And so here's how you can participate in the series. The first thing is you're going to grab a guide. You should all have a, bu- uh, a book um, that is, is that, yeah, you're going to grab a guide. There's a book out on the information desk. It is free to you. That does not mean it's cheap, all right? This is not something that's going to end up in the backseat of your car. I want you to use it. You should already have been doing. It. And if you haven't, just take some time and do those questions. And then in your small groups, uh, you're going to go through this. So you're going to grab a guide. Those are in the lobby. They're free. Go get one. Then you're going to attend the series. Congratulations. You did that part today. And then, uh, but, but keep coming. All right. Don't just keep coming back. And I promise God's got something for you. And then the third thing was to ask you to gather in a group this uh, semester and get involved. So find the group that best fits you. All right. And go to it. Sign up for it. Go to it. And you're going to talk through this. And I promise promise you, your life is going to begin to shape. God's going to begin to use it. All right. So we've titled this series unshakable because how many of y'all know there's things in your life that shake your life? You know what I mean? Like you, you go through times where there is a shaking. All of us went through a good shaking for about two, three years. Well, it was called COVID. Y'all remember this? How crazy? Like I think about this and I'm like, uh, today, actually Ruben saw someone wearing a mask today and we started talking about the pandemic a little bit and he goes, he's, uh, he's about to be 11 in like a week. Right. And he goes, that was wild. They talk about the pandemic. I'm like, Oh yeah, buddy. You don't even know, man. Uh, but yeah, it was wild, right? We went through a shaking for you. It could have been something else, something in your life happened and it just really shook your life. Well, The kingdom of God is unshakable. It's something that we can go to and it's something that we can cling on to when life begins to shake. And so we thought, hey, let's do a series on this because I know that some of you are shaking right now. And if you're not, you're going to. And I want to help equip you for those times. You see, uh, the kingdom of God is what we're talking about when we talk about unshakable. His kingdom is unshakable. And that's in actually the whole theme of the New Testament is the kingdom of God. But here's the problem. Most Christians have no idea what it means, the kingdom of God. And so that's the problem. And that's what we're trying to address is if this is the most important thing that Jesus talked about, then we need to help you understand what it is so that you can run to it whenever things shake, in In your life, that's why we're here. That's why we want to do this. And so, we actually have a key verse that's found in Hebrews chapter twelve, verse eight. And it's important to know that this key verse—it was this—was not written to people who lived in a vacuum. These people were—they were actually a part of an empire that hated them, and so they were not in favorable economic conditions when this was written to them. They were actually getting their property stolen from them. The chapter before this, Timothy, who has two letters written to him in the Bible had just gotten out of prison right before this was written, um, and people were getting arrested, they were getting beaten, they were, their kids were getting mocked. I mean, this was a very hostile environment. And you talk about some shaking, that would shake us in this room. But they have this to go back to. They're going through this, and in this verse says this. It says, uh, chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken... Come on, even though life is shaking us and there's a lot going on against us, we've received a kingdom that can't be shaken. So we're going to be thankful and we're going to worship God with reverence and awe. That's what we're going to that's our response. And so I, I want you to hear that and understand it because it's important that you understand that your Bible was written by real people. Four real people. Now, obviously, they were writing it under the influence of the Holy Spirit, all that, yes. But these were real people going through real life stuff, just like you go through real life stuff. Just like I go through real life stuff. Listen, you hang out with me long enough, you'll go, dang, he is weird, messed up a little bit, right? Yeah, I go through real life stuff too, you know, And, and so do you. That's why it's important for us to understand But how many people in here have ever noticed that the older you get, the more complicated, the more stressful life gets? Come on. Anybody? Kim just shot that hand up. You're ready, right? Listen, (laughs) same. The older you get, it doesn't get easier. Life gets more complicated. Why? Because you know more, and you know the consequences of your actions more. You, you, you get met with a reality that like, holy moly, I have to actually reap the consequences of my decisions, you know? And life doesn't get less complicated, it gets more complicated. And with that comes more worry and anxiety and way less security. That's why I think a lot of people, when they get older and you start having kids, you start dealing with anxiety and you start worrying a lot more. Why? Because you understand like, holy moly, this life is temporary or my kids, oh my gosh. And, and all of a sudden with that comes some heightened sense of anxiety, right? We've all dealt with that. Well, today we're going to get started. And when we're talking about unshakable, how this applies to your everyday life by speaking into that a little bit how does the kingdom of God anchor you in a different way? I think that's a, a great question for you to ask yourself. How does the kingdom of God anchor you in a different way? You see, uh, we all kind of desire to be the king of our lives. We all desire this. We all desire to be the king. Now, how many people when they were younger, you played a little game called king of the hill. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, baby, I was good at king of the hill. Cause I was a big un. you know, I, <laughs> I wore the Husky jeans. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and uh, I, it took me a little while to get to the top of the hill, but once I got there, I was the king of the hill. You know what I'm saying? Like, And if you don't know, uh, if you're below the age of 20 in here, you find a hill, you get on top, and whoever can stay there the longest is the king of the hill. So we're throwing people off these hills. I was the king of the hill a lot of times. And, and we, we're drawn to this idea of being the king of a hill, right? I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about just in your life. Like uh, that, That's why Disney movies a lot of times happen within a magical kingdom, right? Like there's a kingdom and we 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 like stuff like game of thrones or lord of the rings and these sort of things and because we can reason with this idea of what a kingdom is but the problem is this is we have a lot of different kings of their own little hills but jesus came and he changed all that he said no 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 i'm not the king of a hill i'm king of everything i'm king of all the hills you know i am the king and so today we're going to talk about that. It's important that this is the place where we start, because when we start to feel a shaking uh, by us trying to be the king of our hill, uh, we, it, it causes us to run to things that aren't from God. It causes us to run to things outside of the kingdom of God. But there's a phrase that I want to remind you of over and over and over and over again in this message and throughout this series, and that's this. God is still on his throne. I'm going to say it again because this is a participation event here. God (laughs) is still on his throne. Come on, he's still the king. He's still on his throne. He's still the king. So here's the question we're going to answer today, okay? If God is on his throne, then what do I do with worry and anxiety? Okay? If God's on his throne, what do I need to do with worry? And anxiety, But before we really dive into what Jesus has to say about this, Jesus does have something to say about this. Uh, we're going to take a look at the world that we're living in. I think that's important for us. So where does worry come from? I have some pictures here, if you could throw them up. Where does worry come from? Worry comes from a lot of different things. The first one is this. A worry comes from the desire to control our lives. All right? So we have this desire to be the king, right? We have a whole culture built on customization, for you to have control of everything in your life. uh, Everything. How many, uh, you go to Starbucks and it takes you longer than one second to give them your coffee order. Right? Because you want to customize everything. I want a venti, tall, white iced Americano half-calf with oat milk and all of a sudden it gets so customized that we don't even know what it is anymore. Like coffee used to be just a yes or no question, you know, and now it's turned into this big thing. Why? Because we can customize it. We can be in control of everything. That's uh, amazing about, I love, we have one of the Amazon Alexas in our house and she can control everything, which means I can control everything. And it listens, the government probably knows everything about my family. Listen, I don't care. So if someone's listening to our family, I'm so sorry. You're so bored. We'll probably, probably the Truman Show is happening in our house. But, you know, like, I love being in control. I love that I can sit on my couch and go, Alexa, I'm going to bed. And all of a sudden, the whole living room just shuts off and we go to bed. Right? I love that. I love control. We have a whole... A culture based around this, right? Based around this thing that we can control. The problem, though, is that a lot of us try to control our lives like we have an Alexa, right? Like we try to control everything about our lives. Well, that brings a lot of anxiety in your life. The problem isn't the desire to control our lives. We all have that. The problem is that we think we can control our lives. That's the problem that we all face. That's the problem we all fall into. We think that we can control everything about our lives, but the fact is, is that you actually have very little control over things that happen in your life. You do, and and that's an okay, that's okay. You know, that's okay, but we we fall into this desire to control our lives. And then the the second thing is this, and the enemy feeds us lies and fear. The enemy feeds us fear and lies. You know, the native tongue of the devil is lying. So how do you know if the devil's lying? If his mouth is moving, that's how you know. The devil lies about everything, and it's his job (laughs) to just feed you fear fear and fear and fear and fear. Lies. You know what the Bible, the number one uh, descriptor of the devil in the Bible is the accuser. And he lies and he accuses you of things and he twists things and he just feeds into fear and he feeds into lies. And so if we have the desire to control our lives. Well, now the devil's feeding us fear. He's feeding us lies. The third thing is we worry a lot about our marriage and our family. I would be willing to bet, and Kim could attest to this, is that all, most of the prayer cards we receive at this church, which we love praying for, I would say the vast majority of them center around a marriage or their family in some way. I would say the vast majority have to do with marriage or have to do with a family. Family members struggling, family members having surgery. This is We worry about our family so much And the problem, the reason we struggling with so much anxiety around your family, around your marriage, is because you feel ill-equipped to deal with those relationships. They're so close, and you don't want to mess anything up, and so you don't feel equipped to deal with it. So it just leads to more anxiety. The fourth thing is this. I can't quit worrying about my kids. How many people have ever felt that before? If you're in here and you don't struggle with worry or anxiety, have children. (laughs) Have them. It'll put you on medication real quick, right? Uh the fifth thing is your career. You spend so much time worrying about your career, being anxious. I I don't want to do what I'm doing, or I want to do what I'm doing. I just want to get paid more for what I'm doing, right? Or I want to climb the corporate ladder a little bit. Uh, Do I go back to work, or do I stay home with the kids, or what do I do, right? Or I I need a career because we don't have enough money, and I want to stay home with the kids. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. You have all of this stuff that's happening with your kids and your career, all this stuff and it's building anxiety. The last one is this, is your health. A lot of times we worry about our health. It brings anxiety. We worry about, you know, I don't, I don't want to end up like my family. Like they struggled with this. They, all of my family died at this age from heart disease and, or am I going to be okay? Well, what, if ha- what happens if I get sick and I'm out of work? And then I'm, what, happen, what will I make it through this? And, and you worry about your health a lot. But there's also some modern reasons why this is so challenging. So those things really cause a lot of anxiety, but this is what makes it so challenging, is we're over-informed in our in our society today. We're very much over-informed. There is so much information about every bad thing that happens in the world. How many of y'all have ever felt that way before? You get on Facebook, if you don't feel that way, I don't know who your friends are, but they're great, right? But we look at this, and we are experts at sharing the bad with each other. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We're experts at sharing this. How many of you have had that person on Facebook? They're typically older, all right? I'm not, they're typically older, but they're like, they'll post an article, and the article reads, they're attacking us tonight, And you're like, who, where, what's happening, you know? And all of a sudden you're like, what is going on? They like sharing the the bad, right? Or we have people that copy and paste the, I do not give Mark Zuckerberg control of my account on Facebook. (laughs) This is my own. Uh, They're out to get you. They're really aliens and they're going to abduct us. And like, we have these people that like, that, that, that share bad all the time. How many of y'all remember the last election cycle? Oh, I got off. <laughs> Woo, yeah, you got off. See, you're wise right there. People were coming out of everywhere with the real truth. Oh, I know what really happened. Here's what's going to happen. I'll tell you what's going to happen. This is... It was rigged. And like all of a sudden, you start spreading a lot of this information. You start buying into this whole thing, and we're over-informed. Now I, I want to tell you real quick. We're about to go into that again. And I, there will be an uprising. I want to just be your pastor for a second. There's going to be an uprising of people that claim to have the real truth when it comes to the future of our country and all this stuff... I want to tell you right now, as Christians, I don't need someone to tell me the real truth. I need to go to the truth. I need to go to the truth of God's word. I need to listen to what Jesus has to say, because I might live in America. I love America, but I'm a part of a bigger kingdom. And that's the kingdom of God. And so if someone has the real truth, but it doesn't line up with the word of God, guess what? It's not real truth, because real truth is found right here. It's important. Listen to me, church. It's important that we know this word especially into the season that we're going into right now as a culture as a country as a society. We're overinformed and our feeds are feeding us fear. That's what they're doing. You know, you're not supposed to know every bad thing that happens in Iceland and everywhere else in the world. You're not supposed to know every bad thing that happens in the world. You're over-informed. And it's just adding on to, to the, to the it's, it's, it's dogpiling on the anxiety and the worry that you already have. You're overinformed, And guess what? Most of the information that you have is not even true. It's a bunch of garbage. And some of us need to like disconnect from that a little bit and go, hey, I'm not a part of that. I'm a part of something bigger. We're Uh, over-informed. Another reason why this is so exaggerated is we're constantly on. You have a phone in your hand right now, in your pocket, in your purse, whatever, that you are constantly on. People can call you at any moment. Y'all remember that TV? I don't remember this. I was too young or I wasn't even alive. TV used to go off at night. Like they would play the national anthem, and they would just shut off, and you're like, "All right, I guess I got to go to bed." Before that, they just didn't have electricity. Somewhat down, you ate dinner by candlelight, and you go to bed. That's, I mean, can you? Imagine that life. I mean, I cannot imagine that life. But but now we we the, you know the TV stayed no more. Then we got cell phones, and now we're constantly on. We never turn off that thing in our brain, right? Like we're constantly on. We're constantly available for people, and that stop that that it continues to dog pile up anxiety in our life. The third thing is we're ostracized. So uh, and because we're exposed to so much and we're always on, we become isolated a little bit. We become ostracized from people. The world has actually pit us against each other. Like that's what that's what this whole thing does is it actually pits us against each other. And we've lost the ability, listen to me, to have productive conversations with people we disagree with. We've just lost it, you know, and we decide, nope, we're going to isolate. Right. And and it gets me fired up because I'm not saying that you don't have convictions. Yes, have convictions, have things that you're not going to budge on. That's great. But what we saw during covid, what we saw during the last election cycle is so many families ostracizing somebody else in their family, isolating somebody else in their family because they were worried about something that's peripheral, Something that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And we've allowed it to get to our own families where we can't even invite them to Thanksgiving dinner. We can't even be around them because we hate them so much. We ostracize each other. That's what we do. And the fact that we would allow something so small to get in the way of our relationship with our family is just mind boggling to me. It's sad to me. Kingdom people should be better than that. If you're really convicted about something, you should direct the dialogue about it, and you should learn to do it in a relational way so that you're not scaring off the people that you hope to, you know, change into what the Bible says about stuff, and it's not what the kingdom of God is about. We got to quit ostracizing people, we got to quit ostracizing ourselves, and we have to go, all right, we're a part of a kingdom here, we're on the same team, and hey, let's get together and let's do this God's way. But before we get into what Jesus says, I want to recognize we're going to really talk about anxiety, worry, and all that kind of stuff here in a second. I understand that people in here have, might have a medical issue with anxiety, depression, worry, and that is totally valid. All right, I'm not saying this, is, this trumps any of that. I'm not saying stop going to your doctor, uh, go to your doctor, get therapy, get help. I think it's a very healthy, godly thing to do. Uh, but... I think we all can agree that when we look at Jesus, no matter where you are on this journey with worry or anxiety, when you look at the words of Jesus, it can help us all move forward. And so I want to I talk about that from a Christian perspective in a second. In this passage we're about to look at, we see Jesus model something different for us when it comes to worry and anxiety. You see, the, the, the people in the Bible... I mean, my word, they knew about worry. And we don't think about this a lot. But I just want to give you some examples. Adam and Eve were worried about how God would respond. Come on, Noah was worried about what his neighbors thought about him building a cruise ship in his backyard. I mean, my word, can you imagine being Noah? Noah probably, by the way, he could have had to have plant trees, wait on them to grow large enough so that he could use the wood to build the ark. You don't think Noah took a long time to build the ark, and his neighbors were like, this dude's crazy. We don't even know what rain is, and you're building a boat that's going to rain? What are you talking about, right? Like, he worried about that. Abraham worried about not having a son. Isaac worried about finding a wife. Come on, if that's you in here, I just want to speak. God's going to give you a wife. Come on now. (laughs) Jacob worried about his dad's approval. Moses worried that no one would listen to him. David because he had a speech in of David worried about his enemies uh, by the way that's half of the Psalms in your Bible by the way are David worrying about his enemies uh, and we got Elijah he was worried that he was the only one left listen the question is not will you worry everyone in here will worry at some point the question is what will you do with your worry you're all going to worry the question is not if you're going to worry or not the question is when I'm worried what do I do with it So here's what it says in Luke chapter seven. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say this, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Father. I love that. Starts off with father. Man, some of you didn't have a great father. I'm so sorry. But a father's supposed to be someone that, man, you have a covering when you have a dad. Have you ever seen The Lion King? Anybody ever seen The Lion King? Come on. The greatest Disney movie of all time. Have y'all seen The Lion King? Okay. We're doing that for at the movies this year, by the way. We really are. I'm very excited. Y'all remember when Simba goes to the elephant graveyard and the hyenas are on him? And he tries to growl, right? And he's just, wow, just a little not, not strong. And then he does it again. And his dad growls, Mufasa growls. Come on. That's what having a father's like. You have, you have the father is someone that's got your back, that they, they got a covering for you. And regardless of what your earthly father is like, your heavenly father is that for you. So it's important when we go to God, we say father there, when you acknowledge him as your father, you're acknowledging some trust. Say, Hey, I know that you have my back. Father. And and then it says, Hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means holy. We've talked about holy a lot here. Holy, it means that you're separate. You have the power, you have the authority, you are on your throne. I can depend on you. It says, Hallowed be your name. Then it says, Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. That's what it says in Luke and Matthew. It says this, it says, this is the same story, just in a different gospel. It says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So your kingdom, God, may it come down on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, if Jesus is on his throne, but you don't believe that he's good, then you're never going to feel safe. If Jesus is really on his throne, well, that's a fact. Jesus is on his throne. No matter where you are in your belief right now with God and spirituality and all that, Jesus is on his throne. But if you know that to be true, but you don't think that he's good, then you're never going to feel safe. That's just a fact. It's just you're never going to feel safe. But if he's on his throne and he is good, which he is, then I'm able to link to that. What Jesus is saying is that when you get alone with God and you go to that place and you have that understanding that he's the king, he's on his throne and he is good, then we can fill that gap between where we are and the kingdom of God. We can fill it with that trust that God's good and that God's on his throne and that God is in control. And and, and now it comes in the kingdom of God comes into my situation. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It looks something like this. God, because you're the king, I'm trusting you with my kids. I'm worried about them, but I know that you're the king and that you're good. That's what it looks like on earth as it is in heaven, right? God, I I know I'm worried about my career, but you're the king, and I trust that you are good, and you know what's best for me. Come on. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. God, my marriage is struggling. I'm hurt but I know that you're good and we can work and you can work all things together for good and you're the king and you love us and you want to restore our marriage. God, I'm trusting you. I'm filling that gap with trust. God, I trust that you're on your throne. I trust that you are good on earth in my situation as it is in heaven. That's how this invades your life. It comes with the trust of knowing that Jesus is on his throne, but he's also good. And he wants good for you. You know, Luke 5, it tells us that Jesus would oftentimes withdraw to a lonely place, and he prayed. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. He modeled something that's important to us. You see, Jesus modeled that going to his heavenly Father was his first response, not his last resort. Some of us going to the Father is like our Hail Mary. Well, nothing else worked. I'm going to pray. No, 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 let's pray. We're gonna pray first, we're gonna to go to God first. His first response was to not fix the situation. His first response was not to go to WebMD. Y'all you know what I'm saying? Y'all, you know, if you're going to WebMD, before you're done with WebMD, you're dead. I have this rash on my thigh. It's either the new body wash I've been using, or I have an incurable skin-eating disease. You know, like there's no in-between. But that's how we act a lot of times in our faith is like, oh boy, something's going on. I'm worried. I have anxiety. What's your first response? Is it, is it complaining? Is, what is it? I'll tell you what it should be. It should be going to God first. So here's what I want to do I want to give you three things that you can do that can help us with worry. All right, if you're ready, say I'm ready. Why does God's presence help us overcome worry? That's what we're going to look at. Why does God's presence help us overcome worry? Getting into God's presence through prayer, all that. Why does it help us worry? The first one is this. is It helps us when we do that, we focus on the goodness of God instead of the bad things that could happen. Y'all say could. When we pray, when we get in God's presence, we focus on the goodness of God instead of the bad things that could happen. Most of us, We worry about things that will never even happen. You know, Penn State did a study, and it showed in general, all right, that less than 8% of the things that people worry about actually come true. Less than 8% of the things that you're worried about happening are going to come true. There's a 93-point-something percent chance, is my math right? That's what I meant. All right. This is why we have a financial team that helps me with numbers. There's an over 90% chance. That's what I should have said that you're fine. You're going to be fine, but we allow this to just rob us. Here's what a natural view looks like of worry. Come on. I want you to throw that picture up of the head. See, this is all the things that could happen. This is a natural view. All of these things are causing anxiety in your life. You got this, that could happen, that could, this one situation, that could happen, this could happen, that. oh my gosh, what if number seven happens, oh my word, that's the natural view of what could happen in your life, but it probably actually won't happen, but here's the kingdom view, I love this, show me the kingdom view. The kingdom of you says, hey, some of that might happen, and when it does, we're going to walk through it with the Lord, because He's there for us, and He's good for us, but I'm going to trust God and go, hey, even though this could happen, I'm not going to let it rob me of my peace. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because God is still on His throne, and He's still good. He is still Good. So that's the first one. When we get into God's presence, man, it helps us appreciate the goodness of God. And it helps us worry less about the things that could happen. The second thing is, is this. When we go to God and we spend time in his presence, we crowd out worry with gratitude. This is one of the toughest verses in the Bible, what I'm about to read. It says this. It says, don't be anxious about anything. What? Anything? Like, I shouldn't be anxious about anything? Well, that's what the Bible says. It says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with, what's that word right there? Thanksgiving. Present your request to God. It's, hey, bring it to Him with some thanksgiving. Understanding, like, God, I'm struggling with this, but I'm going to bring it to you. Thank you for loving me. And then it says, and then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind. And Christ Jesus... Paul is writing this. He's not an angel writing this. This dude is in prison writing this. said, so, "Hey, don't be anxious about anything. My dude is in prison, does not know if he's going to die." And he's writing this letter. say, so, "Hey, don't be anxious about anything." But the key is to make God your first response. Go to Him when prayer and petition and, and watch how that changes your perspective. Watch how that gives you peace and you can say, God, thank you for always being with me. God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for my family. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for providing for me. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. I couldn't do it without you. And when you begin to do that, watch how you get peace in your life. When we begin to thank God God, it crowds out our worry. It's hard to be worried and be grateful at the same time. And then the last thing, here's, here's what we get when we go to God first, is we align our attitude and speech with the Word of God. When we go to God in prayer, we align our attitude and our speech with the word of God. And listen, I'm not dismissing people who are struggling with this medically, with anxiety and worry. I'm not trying to oversimplify this whole thing. I know it's complex, okay? We just did a whole series on it at the end of last year. You can go listen to it if you'd like. But listen, the number one thing that young people struggle with is worry and anxiety. For some of you when you were kids, the number one thing they struggled with was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Not anymore. They might, they struggle with that too, but it's coming from a place of worry and anxiety. That's what they're dealing with. Ask any student that you know, and they're going to say, I I struggle with this. I would almost guarantee it. And I'm going to say something that's going to be strong, okay? I love you. I love your kids, all right? We have a generation that struggles with anxiety because people have been allowed to pout, we've allowed them to pout. At my house, you are not allowed to pout without being reminded of this phrase that we say at our house all the time. And here's the phrase. And I make my kids say it. Attitude is a, and then my kids will go, choice. Attitude is a choice. And Lambeths, and they'll go, make wise choices. That's right. Your attitude is a choice. And Lambeths make wise choices. That's what we do. That's who we are. You're not allowed to have a bad attitude in my house without being reminded of that. You're not allowed to pout at my house without doing that. Listen, when you, (laughs) you can get glad in the same pants you got mad in. You know what I'm saying? That's what you can say that to your kids. You'll be fine. But I know this is sounding harsh to some parents, and I I get it. But when you allow a young person, a child, to manipulate and control you through emotional manipulation called pouting, that attitude makes them self-absorbed. And when you raise a self-absorbed kid, don't be surprised when they struggle with anxiety because they think the world revolves around them and anything that comes against that is gonna cause them to be anxious, cause them to be worried, and it's okay. Listen, I'm not saying beat your kids and all that. I'm just saying there's something to be said about having a good attitude and choosing it even when you don't feel like it sometimes. And in our house, we validate how you feel. Hey, it's okay to feel that way. I understand you're disappointed, but we're going to choose to have a good attitude. Let's feel it. Let's work through it. Let's move on from it, okay? Like, let's do this thing. It, may, it doesn't mean you can't have feelings and you can't express them in a healthy, healthy way, but it's important to teach our kids that, man, their attitude determines their altitude in life. You, you have to get a control of this, and, and we have to help our kids do that, but you need help with this too, Maybe that's your first response. You just start to pout when things go bad. Well, it's time to quit doing that. This world is not revolving around us, it revolves around the king. When we do experience challenging situations, it's important that we reflect that with our attitude and with our speech. Here's some things that you can say. Instead of pouting, you could say, God is good, God is on his throne. I'm gonna trust him, I know his plan is perfect, I know what he's doing a work in me, I trust that his kingdom is at work right now in my life. I'm gonna align my speech and my actions and my attitude with the word of God. And I'm gonna work out those emotions and those disappointments in a healthy way. But here's the bottom line, listen, I, I believe in this so much that I'm gonna just be really blunt with the bottom line today. No fluff, no confusion. Listen, God's on his throne, that's a fact. Whatever you're facing today, that's true. God is on his throne. Here's the bottom line. You have two choices. That's it. One, you can control your own world and be filled with worry. That's choice number one. Choice number two is you can humble yourself and trust God to control it there's no other way in the kingdom of God you either trust the king and he controls it or you control it and you become filled with worry and anxiety and fear and see how that works out but those are your two choices now I can't make that choice for you I hope that you choose choice number two that you humble yourself and go God I'm a really bad king but you're a great king and I trust you so what are you going to do I wanna give you an opportunity to walk this out right now. Come on, I wanna invite you to stand. I'ma put that picture up again of the person. 90% of us in this room are like this right now. There's so many things going on in your life and they're all causing anxiety. They're all causing something to, to trigger off in your life and these are just possibilities of what things, the things that could happen. This is how you feel right now. And I just want you to know, you're not alone. I feel this way sometimes. And I have to train myself to go, I'm not going to do that. But we're going to pray a prayer together. This is in your app in the notes. This is what I was talking about later. And we're going to say this out loud. Okay. And in your notes, there's a blank in this prayer that you can put whatever God's bringing to your heart in that right now. But I want us to pray this because here's what you need to do to bring the kingdom of God into your situation. So I want you to put that first part of that prayer up for me. And we're going to say this out loud. Say, God, I trust that you are good. And I believe that you're in control. Next. When I feel worried about... Now, don't say it out loud, all right? Think about it. What would you put in this blank? I trust that you're good. I trust that you're in control. When I feel worried about your kids, your career... Your health, your marriage, uh, circumstance, your money, whatever. I don't care what it is. Whatever it is, put in that blank. So let's start from that one again. When I feel worried about whatever, I choose to exchange my worry for your peace. Come on, let's say that one, one more time. When I feel worried about, fill in the blank, I choose to exchange my worry for your peace. What are you filling that blank with? Because that's where God wants to come into your situation and bring the kingdom of God to you. Come on, I want to bow your. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe you're in here, and man, this is worry and anxiety is something you're struggling with right now. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Be honest. In here, come on. Worry and anxiety, money, kids, career, whatever, future. You need to pray that prayer. God, I am giving you that in exchange for the peace that only you can bring me. Come on, say that to him right now. Right where you're sitting. Some people in here, you have never started a relationship with Jesus. And I just want to tell you, it's time to make Jesus the king of your heart. Give your life to him. Trust him with your life. And if you're in here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you can just pray this prayer after me. There's nothing magical about the prayer. It's just a way to articulate kind of what you're feeling right now. And you can just say, dear God, I've messed up. I'm not a good king of my life, but you're perfect. Come into my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for coming back to life. And in the best way I know how, I'll live for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, come on, give God a hand.